Today's episode of The Full 60 is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission fees or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to Robinhood.com. Also, all investments involve risk. This is not an investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security, just to be clear. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield, APY, on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Welcome to The Full 60 featuring Craig Custance and presented by The Athletic. Each week, we'll dive into the biggest stories in hockey, while bringing in unique voices to entertain and explain all aspects of the game. Hey, this is Craig, and welcome to this week's episode of The Full 60. So as part of our midseason report at The Athletic, we decided it would be fun if we could combine efforts on our two national podcasts at The Athletic, The Two-Man Advantage and The Full 60, and have Scott Burnside, Pierre Lebrun, and myself Hop on both of those podcasts this week. And so if the first half has already been recorded and released. Uh, the two-man advantage where we did some awards. We talked awards. We talked um, about the coaching firings, all the things that happened in the first half. And now the second half is here on the full 60, where Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun, my longtime teammates both at The Athletic and at ESPN, where we've been doing podcasts for a long time together, we reunited to talk about my favorite time of year, the trade deadline. And the timing was good because at The Athletic this week, uh, we released our trade board where I had I went in with 20 names, then it kept growing. I think it ended up at 27 names on the trade board. I ended up chopping a couple at the last second. Probably could have added 10 more. Um, it's it's There's a lot of volatility right now in the NHL, and it's going to change by the day uh, who's available, who's not available. And it's it's for fans and for the media. I know it can be stressful for the players, but it's it's a fascinating time of year. So we talk a lot of trade deadline in this episode. So let's jump right into it. The full 60 with Pierre Lebrun, Scott Burnside, and myself talking trade deadline. Scott and Pierre, first of all, I would encourage listeners, if you didn't listen to the two-man advantage, which dropped yesterday, um, I guess depending on whenever you're listening to this podcast, it was an awesome conversation. We talked all the coaching changes. We talked... Um, we talked about the awards. Pierre was wrong about his heart trophy. Non-debate, debate. Really good, really good conversations. So let me just let, let's let, let me welcome you guys in. Um, I'm fi- I'm really glad to finally take control and be hosting this, Scott. It makes me feel much more comfortable. Do you, I know do you, you remember? It. Were you were you with us at ESPN when Steve Levy tried to take the mic from me when we were taping a podcast <laughs> during the Stanley Cup final? And you took year? a swing at him. I didn't take a swing, but yeah, I, just, I do remember I, that. Do you remember? We were standing in the lobby at the Prudential Center in New Jersey, and I and Steve. Hey, you know mm. what? He, the great thing about Steve, who is so great to work with, he loves hockey, and I think he felt that maybe I wasn't getting enough chance as the host to you know get my two cents. And he said, you know, do you want me to? You know, I can take over this. And I'm like, dude. Don't take the mic. I, I got this. Just step <laughs> back from the mic. 
We laugh about we said whenever oh, I see him now we gosh. chat about it. I said, remember when you tried to take over the podcast? I said, don't ever do that. But anyway, go ahead. It's your, it's your show. I saw Steve at the, No, I, I'm I'm you're I really appreciate you allowing me to host my show. And Pierre, welcome. I I saw Steve <laughs> at the USA hockey hall of fame inductions. He just kills it as a host. Like he's, yeah, he's we're chatting and and then he walks up on stage and just kills. He's I, I love Steve. Yeah. Uh he's, he and he's I great. by the way, don't don't even think about having him on the full 60 because Steve and I are already oh, negotiating to have him on two-man advantage. We've already we got a plan. All right. Okay. Just bat, just okay. so you know. It's a different it's a different concept. I'm, I'll I'll do it. We'll do a double episode. <laughs> I I the, the the highlight the highlight of our podcast by the way in our history between the three of us is when we did one in my house years and years ago <laughs> and and we're drinking bloody caesars during the taping of it. That was <laughs> Well, Nothing will ever beat that. The, the the reason why the reason being, I mean, you know, because it's always a good idea. But also, I think we like lost the original recording, so we were already like toast and tired, and we got a call from the producer or whatever, and it was like, oh, the, like we didn't hit the record button or something when we initially had done it. So that was a take two on like an hour long thing. Yeah. Holy cow, that was yeah. Yeah, we got really drunk by the end. That's of That's not true. <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> A little. So I wanted to, maybe because I just dropped the trade board um, today on The Athletic, which I would encourage people to check out. Um, I, I love this time of year because we turn a corner, we get through the World Junior, all the GMs come back. Uh, the next big thing is the trade deadline. I guess if we're going to ignore the All-Star game, which I think we will. Wait a minute. Um, I, and I wanted to start there. Oh, go ahead, Scott. No, no. Go ahead. Scott. I like the All-Star game. But anyway, I'll be in St. Louis to uh, wave the athletic flag. Jeremy Rutherford and I will be will be there. So just for the record. But no, go ahead. I, and I, I have, I've already called up the big board. I've got it right in front of me. Good. All right. So uh, the first thing, I, and we touched on it in, in your podcast, The Two-Man Advantage, but I, I, you mentioned Julian Breezebois' comments, and... And you know, kind of going back, and he went through all these all these years of trades, and they never work out. Or they, I won't say never, but they, the team that gives up a first round pick for rental, typically the the payoff isn't there, especially when you consider what a first round pick gets you in the off season. Like it typically gets you a, a proper player that's going to be around a while. Do we really believe? And so, and I feel like we hear this every year. Well, we're going to be a little more careful, Pierre. Do we really believe GMs are going to be like, you know what, this is the year we're going to hold tight and not uh, not move picks for rentals? I I still think there's going to be activity, Craig, but I but I actually do believe that the drunken sailor aspect of it will be reined in. Yeah. Like like I think I don't know how many first round picks we'll actually see moved unless it's a hockey deal. You know, I mean, people forget this, but when the Tampa Bay Lightning, you know, paid a first round pick in the package for Ryan McDonough, he had a year and a half left on his deal, right? Right. They ended up signing him to an extension. But my point is, don't confuse what I'm saying with a hockey deal. If, if you're if you're getting a player that's going to have more than one playoff run for you, that's a whole different conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. But if you're talking for a two-month rental, I, I, I'm not convinced that we're going to see, I, I, I bet you at most two or three. Mm-hmm. Get get dealt. I I really well, do. But and that's yeah. I was ahead, just gonna Scott. say. I mean, I mean, it's it, it, part of what we're talking about is well, what is what's in the marketplace? And with Taylor Hall right. already going to Arizona, and you know, John Chaka, I thought did a nice job there. 
it's and we're just now you know to me it's so interesting because we talk about if you do a deal like that early as opposed to later you you know you have to pay them more but you also get that player for longer and you're just starting to see i think taylor hall starting to you know find some comfort with an arizona team that you know this is challenging for first place in the pacific and and looks like an interesting playoff like i think they're a playoff team mm-hmm. right and they're going to be interesting come playoff time if darcy cumper comes back all that kind of stuff but like who so chris Kreider's at the top of your board and yeah. chris Kreider's a really good player and it, and you know is he a first round rental player and when you start going down your list from there is there anyone else that if you're an nhl gm even if you think you're one piece away and whether that's a team like Toronto or maybe Tampa or whatever the whichever team you are, is is are there is there anyone else on your board that you're like, yeah, I can see it mm. that's a that's an acceptable risk for me. And I would say probably not, right? I mean, what do you yeah. what do you think, Pierre? I think like and I'm not picking on Kevin Sherrill Day off here, who's made some amazing moves as, during his time as Jess GM. And and frankly, when he did pay a first round pick for Paul Stashney, he got a great bang for his buck during those two months and, and the Jets going to the Western Conference final. Stashney was a terrific player. But last year, spending a first round pick on Kevin Hayes was a complete disaster. I mean, Hayes just couldn't integrate himself in that Jets lineup. I had no impact. Um and, you know, as it turns out, Trevor Dayoff wisely was able to go back, get that pick, right, in the Jacob Truba trade in the summer. But, you know, that's those are the ones that scare you, mm-hmm. is that you've given up a first-round pick and, and the guy doesn't have time to come in and figure things out, which is actually more the rule than the exception. Right. It's really, really hard to come in and make the impact that Paul Stashley did a couple of years ago in Winnipeg. So, I, I, I like Chris Kreider... For me, would not be worth a first round pick for two months of Chris Kreider, mm. in my opinion. I think I think he I think he gets it. All it takes is one team, right? All it takes is one team to go. You know what? It's going to be an end of the first round pick, anyways, for us. We, you know, we've got maybe we have two picks. Like I mentioned, I know Julian has said what he said, and I, I he probably doesn't want to do it. But I, I look at a team like Tampa, who with the JT Miller trade has an extra first. Maybe that gives you some more flexibility. Or, or maybe it's closer to the Matt Zuccarello deal, where it's yeah, you get a first round pick, but it's it's going to be conditional, right? Like we have to win some playoff right. rounds here, and maybe that's how these have to be structured moving forward. Like that, the kind of the win win, where it's like okay, it's a second round pick, and if we go to the conference finals, it's a first. And like if I'm mm-hmm. a buying team, that's that's definitely how I'm trying to structure these things. But that, but even. Uh, you know, even Evander Kane, when he left Buffalo for San Jose, didn't net a straight first-round pick. It was it was conditional, right? It was yeah. a second-round pick that became a first-round pick only if he re-signed with the Sharks. That's Evander Kane. Yeah. Like, so, you know, how is Chris Kreider going to get a, a straight first with no conditions if Evander Kane didn't? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, sometimes you can't predict the competition that gets created from contenders when they realize that there's almost no one available and now they're bidding against yeah. each other, right? So so that happens. But, you know, I, I think of uh, Gustav Nyquist, uh, who you you know, yeah. we saw in, in your in, in Detroit, Craig. You know, Detroit waited and waited and waited because the market wasn't that hot for him. And the next thing you know, uh, what, what did they get? A, a second and a third, or a third? Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't, it wasn't a yeah. huge return. Um, so I think part of that is, 
I think part of that is market related. So when we're doing this exercise now, it's it's the, you know whatever it is, the first week of January, and there there is like we're talking about Chris Kreider, we're talking about if we're talking about other forwards, it's Tyler Toffoli, it's Peugeot, it's it's you know. And that's if Pajovin gets dealt, right? That's if he gets if he dealt. Doesn't sign an extension, right? Yeah. So then yeah. there's not a ton of names. So you sit there and go, "Well, Chris Kreider to me, yeah, I'd give up a first. I'd rather have him maybe than Toffoli. But um, you know, more teams are going to emerge, and that to me is where it gets interesting because this, I think, this trade board looks much different a month from now. When let's say Minnesota, mm-hmm. let's say Bill Guerin just decides, "Hey, we're we're going to we're in sell mode. Like this is you know, let's be real here." Now you have some guys with term on their deal. Now all of a sudden, I think that changes the complexion and, and maybe changes Chris Kreider's value. Right. I, I'm I'm totally. curious about though. You know, we talk about which teams might be willing to, you know, spend those kinds of assets for you know for, maybe you know their shot at the at the ring. And I I completely get that. But for me, it's it's also the team like you mentioned Minnesota. I mean. Bruce Boudreaux, bless him, and how he has got that team within four points of a playoff <laughs> spot because they're like they're very slow. They, you know, they got a lot of issues in Minnesota, and yet they can they piled up a ton of points and they're right in the hunt. So that's interesting. I, the team that to me is most fascinating, and, and in part because there are uh, so many you know moving parts for New York Rangers GM Jeff Gordon, and a bunch of those players are on your board. Craig, you know, yeah. you know, Chris Kreider's potential UFA, but they've got some RFA guys. Um, Georgiev in goal is one of them. And certainly with their little overloaded goaltending situation in New York, Tony D'Angelo, man, that kid is so good on the back end, but the Rangers are loaded with young defensive prospects. What you know? What do you do with him? I, I just think the Rangers are a fascinating team because they're probably not going to make the playoffs. But so now you have to decide what's our team going to look like. You know, not just between now and February twenty fourth, but how how are we going to build ourselves? What are we going to look like in two or three years? And which of these pieces can we or do we want to keep and try and lock down to be part of? Like I just I think that team is going to be really really good. Artemi Panarin has been worth, in my mind, every penny that the Rangers paid for him. And you can't, you don't often say that about an $11 million guy, but he is magic there. And I think that team is very close, but you can't keep all those bodies. And I just think, I think to me, that's an interesting part of what, you know, what we're going to look at going into the trade deadline is how teams like that maneuver. Right. And if you're the Rangers at some point, like how many of these deadlines in a row can you constantly be selling off, right? Like you'd hope you see the moves they made in the summer that they're turning a corner. You know, is there, is there an argument to, to sign Kreider? And, and I know that, you know, as I put in the trade board, there haven't been any serious discussions on that front. Um, but, you know, maybe, maybe you say, okay, look, it's, it's better off. If we're not going to get a first, we're better off keeping this guy. Um, I do think they trade a goalie, or if the if the market's there, because they are so jammed up there, and they have to, you know, they've got three guys now, um, and and I, I think maybe the most interesting there is their restricted free agents. So if you're a team, that's I think two things are factoring into this to this year's deadline. One, um, Pierre's point that teams are reticent to give up a first round pick for a rental, so maybe maybe they're more willing to do it for an RFA. And two is cap space. You know, in, in reporting up this trade board, I talked to a bunch of GMs, and they all were kind of lamenting 
the fact that mm-hmm. they don't have space. Like it's, you know, even even with kind of the prorated salaries and all that, it's it's teams are really squeezed right now, and and I, I think that's going to be problematic. So if you have a young goalie, let's say that's that's on an entry level deal or whatever, that that a team is looking for a backup maybe is more interested in acquiring than Jimmy Howard or whatever, some veteran making a proper salary. I like that. I think the RFA market, if you're willing to move some of these younger players becomes appealing to teams. Mm -hmm. Well, it's two major factors. You mentioned the cap, which has been really exacerbated by the fact that teams had budgeted for a higher cap last June and ended up not getting it. And that's why we're seeing so many teams in LTIR, et cetera. But the the second factor is the parity again. I mean, I I chatted with Ken, Ken Holland this week and you know, the Oilers have one leg in one leg out. If they're still in it, he wants to be a buyer. If they fall out, he's going to be a seller. He, he may not know until February 20th. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, and they're not alone. How many teams do you think fit that description right now? Yeah. When you look at the standings, right? There's a ton. I think Edmonton's really interesting because I, I you know, Ken Holland, in, in knowing him, I, my guess is he's re, he's itching to buy because he's he's he wants to win. Like he, this idea of mm-hmm. selling again, I probably it would drive him crazy, but he's also a realist. So I think he's looking for any excuse. If the you know the Oilers have had a couple of big wins recently, um, an interesting player there to watch is Zach Cassian, who, who mm-hmm. you know UFA. I, I know they want to talk to him and get they, they'd like to extend him, but they've also said internally like we need to know by let's say February fifteenth. Like this isn't a negotiation that's going to go into the trade deadline. We need to know by mid February because if we are out of it then we have to do the proper thing and sell here on, on a guy like that. And so he right. becomes a guy who is on this list, but he's at the bottom because the Oilers are in a playoff spot. If all of a sudden they can't get a contract done and it's February 15th and the Oilers on the outside looking mm-hmm. in, he moves. Now that changes the dy- dynamic at the top of the list for, for the forwards. Yeah, there's a ton of swing teams like that right now. Columbus is a, a massive charge of late. Mm. They're back in the playoff race, but what if they fall out? What if they stay in? They're another swing team. The Flyers, who had a great start to the year and haven't been as good as late. They could be either one. There's so many teams that need to wait another month before they decide what they are, right? Um, and But, you know, going back to Ken Holland, you know, he confirmed. I mean, he he tried on Taylor Hall. I mean, you got to love that. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's like the, the idea that he even got into that uh, with a team that is still in transition is... Uh, is pretty exciting if you're an Oilers fan, but he he was not going to pay the price that Arizona paid. Well, that's for I, sure. I think you. No. I I was curious just to see. You mentioned Columbus, and I I know you know when you talk Jack Adams, there there's lots of guys you can talk about. If if Columbus makes the playoffs, how do you not you know where's I mean John Tortorella deserves some sort of award beyond that like the Super Jack Adams if he can get that team in the playoffs but <laughs> oh the Super Jack Adams <laughs> I mean after after what happened last year and all the all the talent and all the moving pieces that left that team at the end of last year and for them to be in the hunt I I think is extraordinary but given what happened with Yarmo Kekalainen last year and pushed all his chips in I just thought it was so refreshing and so like it was such mm-hmm. a ballsy thing, right? Like, oh my gosh! And then he's rewarded, sweeps the best team in the NHL, and for years and years in the regular season. Um, do, do, well, do you think that changes? You know, and again, that the fact that Columbus has been able to bounce back from that and are still a competitive team. If you're a GM, you say, you know what? 
I, why not? I'm gonna I'm I want to push my chips in too. Or do you think that's a one off where people go? I would never I would never do that because it's too nerve wracking and you risk so much by having you know bringing in all kinds of UFAs and even though you're a bubble team you you know you you're there's high risk to, to go with the potential reward. Do you think that changes at all? And the fact that Columbus is right back in it, do you think that said you know GM say you know what? Well, uh, see you can do it. You can you can you can throw your chips in and see what happens. Hmm. I don't know if you if we're going to know the repercussions of that of the day. like that's one of those things where you don't know until a couple of years from what that first round pick looks like or whatever you know what I mean like it's it's not an immediate impact. I can tell you what though, when you talk to people in Columbus, there's zero regret about how they approach the trade deadline. Right, like yeah. none. Yeah, it's not you know you sit there and go boy because. Like you said, Scott. They, why? Why should they? Why they should beat they? Tampa. Yeah. Come on, that's worth exactly. it right there. Right. Like you get out of the first round, you make it. Like they, they were relevant. They had all these. You know, they, they knew guys were leaving. So let's, let's, let's put the best lineup forward. And the fact that they are still competitive, I, you know, whether or not it was their call or Bobrovsky's call, but like that ended up being they probably dodged a bullet. I know there was a contract on the table at some point that was pretty big for Bobrovsky that he probably. Could I'll tell accepted. you what, but man. They. I mean. Corpy Salo, uh, I only know because I had him on my fantasy team. Corpy Salo's had a had a wonderful year before getting hurt, and now Elvis Merzlikins goes in and has been lights out. Yeah. As we tape this, uh, since since replacing Corpy Salo, they got a nice little one-two punch and goal looks like there. But to your point, Scotty, though, I I think that Yarmo Kekalainen has to be careful in terms of spending draft picks, given what he spent last year, and the fact that he's missing a second and a third this June, and he's missing a, th- a second next year. But on the other hand, where he can weaponize his strategy is that he's got tons of cap room, which most teams don't have. He's got um, cap room, and he's got know. a lot of defensemen that are mm-hmm. are that have value in, because they're, they're, you know, they're signed beyond this year. So the guy that I kind of picked out amongst that group was Ryan Murray, who's, you know, no stranger to the trade, trade speculation. But mm-hmm. he's, it's almost like he's a placeholder for – you know, you could say David Savard, whoever, like it's whoever they decide to move. Because I do think at some point they, you know, they want to bring in an impact forward. Um, to you know, they they lose Panarin. Gus Nyquist has been really good for them, um, but like that's you know that's not the answer to replace Panarin. So at one point you've got to spin one of these defensemen into a forward and and maybe that's their approach this year. We're not you know our we're going to hang on to our futures because we. We gutted the system last year, but we they still have assets. They have so much depth on D and they bec- and cap space. To your point, Pierre, like that, they become a really interesting team to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that you can get an impact forward for Ryan Murray. To be fair, just because of all his injuries, right. you know, um, the name that perked my interest on your trade board, which was wonderful to read, was Josh Anderson. Mm-hmm. Who I, I don't think the Jackets are going out and telling teams they're ready to deal him, but I think more likely what will happen is teams are going to check in on Yes, him. Uh, Teams are going to call Columbus because he's up at the end of the year. Now, he's RFA. He's not going anywhere. But he's uh, arbitration eligible. Now, he's had a pretty stinky year offensively. But people know what he is. And uh, there have been contentious uh, negotiations in the past between his agent, Darren Ferris, and, and Blue Jackets management. So that's a... Interesting situation, yeah. That, that was that could be as much June 
as now in terms of what happens there. And of course, he could sign a long-term deal and be a jacket forever. Who knows? He could. And so that that's an, like sometimes the the names in the list are driven by you know other teams saying, hey, we we'll, we'll take a run at this guy. And sometimes it's you know you, you can piece things together. I think in that case, like there, even with his down season, there's interest from other teams and Josh, a guy like Josh Anderson for all the reasons you mentioned, Pierre. And, and like, I think depending on who you talk to the, you know, those contentious contract negotiations have either been forgiven or there's still a wound there. And, and so, mm-hmm. you know, do you really want to ramp that up again if you're Columbus? And uh, the one thing I'll say there is they're not going to sell low. Like this wouldn't be a sell low moment because he's having, you know, and maybe that's why teams are sitting there going, Hey, maybe we can take advantage of a guy on a down year who we like, mm-hmm. like they're like, I'm sure they value Josh Anderson pretty highly in Columbus. But I think, you know, if, if a team stepped up that there's a possibility there. He's a tantalizing player to buy low on, but you know, Yarmo Kekalin wasn't born yesterday. Yeah. yeah. Well, you talk about uh, you know Columbus having a, a a surplus or at least a position of strength, moving a defenseman. Maybe I mean Pierre, you and I have talked about this on our podcast a number of times. Buffalo in a same kind of dynamic, and there's a team. You know, again, we're looking at teams. You know, we always look, I think, at teams that want to add as we think about the trade deadline and how it would change their teams or bolster their Stanley Cup mm-hmm. aspirations. But there are also teams coming to the trade deadline who are like, okay, how are we going to, you know, like how we, we got some, we got some issues to deal with. And and can we get a head start on that at the trade deadline as opposed to waiting till June? But Buffalo, right. man, what, you know, it, <laughs> I feel bad for that city, right? I mean, you know, the bills get gutted and OT and, you know, it's, and the Sabres have not, you know they start out so great, and now they're, you know, they're, not, they're not buried, but they're man. It's a tough road for them to get back into the hunt in the playoffs, in my opinion. Um, but and Jason Botterill's got some, you know, he's got some assets that maybe he can move and help the scoring depth or whatever. Or or do you see that as a team that has to do most of its heavy lifting in June? Or can they can they get ahead of the game between now and and the end of February? Mm. Yeah. Go ahead, Pierre. Tough I, well, let me I just mean, mention yeah. the one guy from Buffalo I have on the list is Zach Bogosian, who obviously asked right. for a trade. I don't know how you trade that salary, but uh, you know, a guy who's injury prone and he's got a big number. Um, but you know, that said, if if Buffalo is willing to take salary back, maybe there's maybe there's a move to be made there because there still has some depth on D there. So that's one player to watch. I think that's a tough that's a tough deal to make at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's, he, you know, he asked for a trade, as you said, so he could move. Um, they need more help up front. There's no question about it. Um, you know, I, I, I'd i be careful not to overreact here if I was Jason Botterill because, you know, Scotty, you were pretty negative about their chances. I will say this, because of the way Jack Eichel is dialed in, like he's never been before, I'm not sure there isn't a run in them. I, I still think there's, there's something there that we haven't seen before with this team the last few years. When you have that kind of superstar lifting his team on his shoulders every night, I'm not so quick to say I don't like their road ahead. I I, I still think there's there could be a little yeah. magic there in Buffalo myself. So, so I think you have to be careful not to start selling off parts for the sake of it if you're Buffalo. Last thing you need is more draft okay, so. You've done plenty of Does that. Does this have anything to do with your long-standing and deep affection for <laughs> Ralph Kruger and the fact that you? It, it might. It might be. 
One of my favorite coaches <laughs> in the world, no question about it. He's no the question best. about it. Um, but they, to your point, though, they, they need help. They still need more help up front, um, even after getting Michael Forleet, regardless of whether it's something that's – in other words, regardless of where they are in the standings, that might be something that's a more of a hockey trade, right, where it helps them even going into next year. It could help now and later. All right, I want to. You mentioned for league. I want to talk about Calgary in a second, and I also want to talk about Pittsburgh, who we haven't talked a lot because you know Jim Rutherford's itching to make a deal. Scott, who does the ad reads better, me or you? Well, I, I don't mind. I don't mind doing the ad reads, and I, I, you know, I like to do a little ad lib and and throw it in there. But it's a. Uh, it, it is foreign territory. This is the first time I've had to do an actual ad read. And we normally have, uh, you know, we have a couple of uh, ads that uh, run. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good. At, I don't do it in front of the mirror, though. I just do it. Like, I'm not watching myself when I do it. Are you? I My favorite is Sean Gentile sends me his. Like, <laughs> I, I will sit and listen to Sean Gentile's ad reads. Um, they, they kill me. Um, the best are, I don't know if you guys listen to Conan O'Brien's podcast, but they're really good on his too. Like they're as entertaining as the pod. So that, that's a good, that's an effective ad read. Good. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's, let's talk Calgary, Pierre. You mentioned for leak and, and we've talked a little bit about cap space at the trade deadline. Uh, that, that, you know, Calgary is a team that wants to do something. Now they've got a little bit of breathing room. Uh, you know, I, in this, in this piece, I mentioned Sam Bennett. But I also, you know, mm-hmm. there's some other names that that Calgary you could have included on the on a list and mentioned Calgary. What, what do you sense they're going to do? And I know it is early. Yeah, you were right to sort of key in on them because I think that Brad Tree Living from talking to other teams around the league has really been, I think, I don't know about itching, but he certainly made his calls. And first of all, let's start with what happened with Taylor Hall. They were the runners up. Yeah. I mean, the Calgary Flames were the closest team to get Taylor Hall other than the Arizona Coyotes, which tells you something. Um, and and, the, and, it, and that was more of a hockey deal than a rental deal, right? I mean, the, there were other players involved in that deal. That, that would have been a pretty big trade. Um, so that tells you a bit about um, Brad Tree Living's psyche that he was ready to make that kind of deal. Yeah. Now, again, Taylor Hall is a special player. And clearly they, they would have wanted to sign him to an extension and so on and so on. But I also think it's fair to say that it tells you that, you know, that he wasn't quite um, satisfied with what he was seeing this year and the mix on this team, right? I mean, this is a team that won the division last year, lost in the first round to Colorado, very good Colorado team, and is sort of sitting on that ledge right now, you know, one foot in, one foot out. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I think there's there's absolutely a very strong chance of a move or two coming from Calgary. Yeah, I could see, you know, just kind of chatting with people. It seems like a guy, if we're just strictly sticking to names that are bouncing around now, a guy like Tyler Toffoli would be an interesting fit for Calgary. Um, I, I don't think, you know, it's you're not giving up a ton, maybe like a second-round pick and a prospect mm-hmm. to get him. I think that would be – I think – depending on what Minnesota does. And I don't know what Jason Zucker's no trade looks like. It probably has Calgary on there, but you know, I, I we've seen them attached before and, and maybe that's an option. Well, as you know, Jason attached, what's going to happen. He, I mean, the two teams agreed, <laughs> oh, they, right. they agreed, they agreed to a trade Calgary and Minnesota lot at the trade deadline last year. And it fell through because of salary cap complications and poor Jason Zucker found out about it. Um, 
And then, and then he got traded to Pittsburgh in the Phil Kessel deal that fell through. Right. So if Jason Zucker gets dealt, I think he will have seen it coming. Let's put it that way. <laughs> you don't think he'll be blindsided? <laughs> uh, what do you do if you're Minnesota, uh, Scott? I'm fascinated by them because yeah. you're right. You mentioned Bruce Boudreaux and the job he's done there. Really, like, it's ridiculous. For a guy, it probably, like... You could argue was you know not the GM's hire, maybe a coach that that maybe you know we we didn't know what his future held, and somehow it's got them right in the playoff hunt. Yeah, I mean, I think Bill Guerin has done a really nice job of not trying to do like not trying to come in and and do things right away and it really take a you know a hard look at you know what's gone on there, and it's taken. Oh, Kevin Fiala has been a little bit better and but they're still so top heavy in terms of of players who are you know sort of in the beyond the peak of their career and I mean, you know great for Eric Stahl who's going to go to the All-Star game. I think he's going to go. <laughs> but you know having a nice another bounce back year in Minnesota, great for him. They still you know Miko Koivu is you know in a contract year. Um, you know, like what, do you, uh, that's the challenge for Bill Guerin moving forward, right? Like, what do you, you know, Zach Parise is under contract through 2024-25. Like, it's a long time, right? That's that, a long time. That, that deal's aging well. Yeah, well. Yeah, that deal's aging yeah. well. You, you know, uh, I mean, listen, uh, Zach Parise is such a terrific guy, but, you know, the injuries have slowed him down. I think if you're Bill Garrett, because you don't have any obvious expiring deals that would fetch that much interest, I think you got to look at a hockey deal. And if it's not Jason Zucker, I mean, Jonas Brodin is a good young defense. He's 26 years old. I shouldn't say young. He's in the apex of his career. He's got a year and a half left on his deal at $4.1 million uh, AV. I'm not. There's no reason why you would want to trade him because he's, you know, he's 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 a good defenseman. But my point is, if you're going to start to change the makeup of your team, that's the kind of name I think if you're Bill Guerin that you have to at least listen on and find out what other teams have an appetite for there. It, it, it's it, if Bill Guerin's active, it's hockey deal. Yeah, it's not it's not your typical trade. Right. And I can tell you, if Brodeen hits the market, their teams will like that. That's a guy that jumps to the top of the list. Because, yeah. you, like you said, still still the right age, some term left on the contract. Everyone seems to love him universally. Like, that's, you're right. That's a guy that gets you something. Right. And they've got some good young defensemen coming. You know, like uh, Carson Soucy has been, uh, you know, in, in, I think my sense is they've been very impressed with him. Um, you know, Matt Dumba's a good player. Hasn't been where he wanted to be offensively maybe. But, you know, like they have some, that's where they've got some moving parts. And, you know, Pierre, you're right on there. If you're going to, now you can move maybe from a position to strength. And whether you, the problem is so that are, are you better to move him at the draft? Do you get more, you know, bang for your buck for Jonas Brodin in June at Montreal, in Montreal Probably. than you do uh, yeah. February 24th? So I, I want to, I, I, I don't just, know. Like that's, it's the old, you get two postseasons out of him if you're trading for him now, though. You know true. what I mean? Right. So that's maybe a, that's a Jake Muzzin deal, right? right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's a Jake Muzzin deal a year ago, the least. Right. Guarantee themselves two playoffs from Jake Muzzin at, at least when they made that deal last right. year. Right, yeah. the Eric Carlson deal that almost happened with Vegas. Right, that was two years ago. Right, like he would have. So there would have been two, two mm-hmm. playoffs there. I, I, I'm mm-hmm. curious, Craig. 
I think I'd have to go back and look at your board now. How many goalies yet do you have on there? Is Georgiev the, uh, is that the only Georgiev, um, uh, Chicago, I think, would move. You know, they're going to, they've oh, got yeah, two Corey UFAs and Corey Crawford and Robin Leonard. Um, so, like, I think that's that's a situation to watch. Uh, Leonard's been really good. So, mm-hmm. like, if you sit there and go, if you're a team that wants to add a guy that's that's been there before in Crawford, that's that's interesting. Um, a bubble guy was a guy like Jimmy Howard. Just He just hasn't done it this year so it's it was hard to, but i you right. know that he's he's ufa he's i, I want to i don't know the details of it offhand but he's got a bonus a playoff bonus i don't know if that would complicate things for a team acquiring him but he just hasn't been good enough like if you you know but I, even with that like i talked to somebody who's like look jimmy howard if he's your backup and you're just doing it for insurance purposes and you're not giving up much like that's you know you could do worse but i, I do you know Goalies are hard to. It's hard to add a goalie, especially if, you know in at this point in the year. But I, I do. There's a couple interesting names out there, and I think the Rangers situation to me is the most interesting. See the guy. The guy that I would target if I were a team looking for some insurance is Craig Anderson mm-hmm. in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. His his deal's up. Clearly not going to resign with a young rebuilding Senators team, and I think they're happy with their young goaltending. Besides that. Um, and I, you know, his cap it's a little high, four point seven five million. He's got a modified no trade. I think it's a ten team list. But I tell you what, like if you're Carolina or if you're heck, if you could make it work, if you were the Leafs, for example, and you're, you know, Michael Hutchinson's been better of late. But I mean, here's this talented Leafs team that's scoring four goals a night. Right, they're a Freddie Anderson injury away from a disaster in terms. Don't of they season. have to add so, a goalie? They have to. Well, but they're they're hamstrung with the cap, yeah. right? So, it, it, I mean, Cal Dubas can be creative. So, I mean, but Craig Anderson, some, there's got to be a contender out there that says, you know what, that guy comes in. If something happens to our starter, there's a guy who's a starter. You know, I mean, so that, that's a name for me. Yeah. That's well, why, I, like, that's for them. I would say a guy like Georgiev makes sense because you're talking about someone making whatever his cap hits eight hundred thousand right. easier to take in, right? And in mm-hmm. You know, it's he's 23 years old. Maybe he's a guy that sticks around. Um, and you know, they, they you know the Rangers have to you would think have to make a deal. Um, so that, but just for finances, I think that is a potential fit. See, to Toronto. me, yeah, and I agree with Pierre. I don't know why. Well, it's been well documented the fact that they sort of bumbled their backup goalie situation going back to last year when Curtis McElhaney ended up in Carolina and really saved the Kane season during the regular season and then won a playoff round against the New York Islanders. Like talk about unbelievable. Now I know the magic hasn't happened for him in Tampa, but um, Carolina is an interesting team for me because Peter Mrazek has been only okay. And because James Reimer is not Curtis McElhaney and like, I just, I was, we were, I was watching a very, important game between Philly and Carolina this week. And my sense talking to some people in Carolina is that, you know, James Reimer had, you know, the door was maybe open for him to, you know, to, to maybe make a statement or make a case that he should be the guy. And it was not pretty. (laughs) And I think that Carolina team is really good. And if you have a, if you're, if your number one goaltender is, you know, B plus to A minus, 
that's a team that is, I think can make some noise in the playoffs, but I'm not sure they got the goaltending right now. Pierre, you mentioned it um, either on our podcast or earlier in this one. You know, Canes haven't even, they're not locked into a playoff spot in a very tough division. And that goaltending needs to be better. But if you lock that down, to me, there's a team that, okay, if you make an ad, you can you can move them up your depth chart in terms of a team that you could see you know, mm-hmm. going going on a long run. Now they've got some cap issues. You know, too. The, uh, so. you guys may remember this or not, Scott and Craig, but I think I seem to recall Carolina did talk to Robin Leonard's people, right? Yeah, when Leonard the whole was Golden part Carousel of, thing happened. I yeah. know they looked at uh, Varlamov and Leonard um, before bringing Mrazek back. In so I I wouldn't be surprised. So I, one of the names that's on this list is Jake Gardner, who the, I, I loved that signing in the mm-hmm. summer. Like you sit there and go, Jake Gardner at that number. Is is a pretty good signing, and I think I think he can be had out of Carolina. Just I, I don't know if systematically it's been a great fit. Uh, and part of the motivation, if you're Carolina, if you are going to move him, um, is maybe it is to clear up some cap space and then go and get a guy like Robin Leonard, who's who's got a mm-hmm. five million cap hit. Maybe Chicago retains some of that. But if I'm Chicago of the two goalies, I'm Leonard. I'm keeping around. That's been good. Yeah, no question. Well, gentlemen, Pierre, I know you have a hard out, so this was a lot of fun. I know putting them back to back. I hope people are able to listen to it. It was this was like old times. It was like riding a bike, doing the old the old podcast. And <laughs> so, I want to thank you for joining my podcast and doing the sitcom crossover. Yeah, Pierre, it was, it was a lot of fun. Pierre, how many? How, it, it's it's an honor. Pierre, how many? It's an how honor, many Caesars right? did you have during the taping? Just tell us. <laughs> I had none. I, I we're getting so old now. We're doing these sober, you know. The old days. No wonder we got fired at ESPN. Yeah. I mean, geez. Well, not Craig, of course, but Scotty. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> oh. that's so awesome! Yeah. All right, guys, uh, we'll be talking trade lots yes. between now and February twenty fourth. But uh, thanks for having me on the old full sixty, and uh, I'll chat to you guys later. All right, guys. Yep. Take care. Thanks, Craig. Thanks for returning my call. <laughs> I want to thank Scott Burnside and Pierre Lebrun for joining the podcast, for having me on theirs. It was a lot of fun to get together with those guys again. Always a blast. It's like riding a bike. We've had a ton of fun through the years doing podcasts and videos and and having a good time breaking down hockey. So I would encourage you again, if you haven't listened to it, go download the Two-Man Advantage, their weekly podcast, and catch that episode Also, um, in light of John Hines getting hired by the Nashville Predators, we've added the John Hines interview that was out probably from a year and a half to two years ago uh, on the Full 60 onto the Athletic app as part of the archives. So athletic subscribers, definitely go check that out, especially if you're a Predators fan and you want to know what you're getting in John, who is a great guy, has a great story to tell. I would definitely encourage you to check that out. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, um, I would encourage you to, to do that. And you can get 40% off as a listener to The Full 60 if you go to theathletic.com slash full60. And that way you can check out the trade board, all our podcasts, and the ton of NHL trade deadline coverage that is to come. So thanks again, Scott and Pierre. Thank you for listening and have a great week.